Alex Bregman is putting the O in OPS, but is Jose Altuve putting the bleak in oblique? We'll talk about it next on episode 26 of Stone Cold Strows, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cultures. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. Follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly column on sportsmap.com. Next to him on screen is sportsmap.com editor Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Jordan975. Uh, putting you both on the spot, guys. Uh, who was your favorite uh, number 26 for the Astros? Boy, that's not a, a number that jumps off the page in, in franchise history. 26. Uh, yeah, Gonzo and uh, Trey Mancini. Not a great player here, but a good player here, but a real good guy. So, Brandon, yeah. you carry the day for me. Uh, Trey Mancini made one of the most important catches at first base in uh, franchise history. So, we'll... I uh, was too flingy. Tip of, uh, tip of the hat to him. Uh, so, guys in the leadoff spots, what's the bats? Appropriately enough. Uh, let's talk about who's hot and who's not. Uh Alex Bregman in Fuego. Uh, Astros have won 18 of the last 24, uh, ending their homestand with a gentleman's sweep of the Angels. And Alex Bregman leading the way. He's slashing 435, 552, and 696 over his uh, last seven games. His OPS for the season finally creeping up towards 800 mark, currently at 762 as we record this. What is it about Bregman, guys, where we have to play this out the same way every year, where we have to wait for him to ramp it up, and then once he does, he's a world beater. Does he just need to not stop playing baseball over the offseason? That, will that fix this? Yeah, you know, we can have no conclusively good answer because Alex Bregman certainly doesn't. Uh, as we've covered his travails through the first two-plus months of the season, you know, there was an air of inevitability. He was going to get it going because – same song, different verse. Um, does he need to reevaluate his offseason work a couple of years ago? Well, it was coming off surgery, so he was delayed. You know, he had no hiccups this year. And if you want to be an MVP level player, you can't not be very good the first quarter of the season. You know, you can have your lull stretches, but the better part of two months is just too long. Um, but it's not as if it sunk the Astros ship in the meantime. Bregman's obviously been by far their best player over the last last three to four weeks. And certainly given the ongoing state of their lineup, that's been pretty key. Yeah, they need Breggy. You got to have him there to, to have those righties with Altuve, Altuve being out for so long, finally back. But now uh, we'll see. You need Bregman. You need somebody with that right hand thump that's in your lineup every day. And you notice it even more with, you know, the struggles of Jose Abreu. You, you need Bregman to be this guy. And I have no idea why it takes him so long. He's a streaky hitter. He does, you know, get you a lot of walks. He gets on base when he's not driving in pitches. He, he plays a really nice third base for you. So, you know, Bregman does a lot of important things for this team. And what matters, he's pretty clutch. You see it in the playoffs. So when it matters most, the lights are bright. You can count on Breggy. Boy, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's it's the clutch hitting with Alex Bregman. I don't really care what the numbers are, but when the lights are the brightest, the guy just seems to really show up. Uh, obviously, uh, in this past series, we saw him have a game where he had four walks and a grand slam, uh, which I heard uh, Dusty Baker call uh, Barry Bonds-esque. Uh, so I, I don't know what to say about that. I'm just glad he showed up. You know, look, 
it sucks that uh, you know we have to go through this scuffle at the beginning of the year because you know consistency sake. But at the same time, uh, you don't win World Series in April. You win them in October and November, and that's when that guy gets it together. And it's nice to see. Uh, his bat heat up uh, the baseball gods giveth and they also take it away Kyle Tucker his bat has gone MI over the past week his slash lines 231 259 385 over his last seven games I'm just gonna throw this out there not saying there is but just wonder what your opinion is uh, what you guys opinion is on they put uh, Abreu down in the lineup he's uh, behind Tucker right now any connection between this past week uh, Abreu, him hitting in front of Abreu in the five spot and his back going quiet? It's reasonable to wonder. Generally, protection is overrated, but there are exceptions to most rules. We've talked before about Jeremy Pena slotting in the in the two spot and having a Bregman or a Yulman, especially behind him. Uh, Tucker, though, he has these stretches where the bat pretty much goes into dry dock, so I don't want to say cause and effect in this circumstance. Kyle Tucker just overall this season is a merely – Good player. Uh, The OPS hovering just below 800 starting the week. That's not bad by any means. But 2021, he was over 900. 2022, he was in the 830 range. So, you know, when you're bucking for a 10-year, $300 million contract, he's not worth it. And as we discussed last week, his defensive numbers this year, uh, not very good. Although, as we countered with a week ago, boy, that eye test, including the ball he pulled back in over the weekend, not a bad defender. But Kyle Tucker has not been close to an elite player so far this season. And at 26 years of age, you'd think off of what is his resume to this point, you know, that he'd be breaking out, not becoming a good player, but if he's to become a great player, this should be the window in his career where it's kicking in and it's not kicking in thus far in 2023. No, it's not really strikeouts that's killing him. You know, he's sitting at 20, and I'm sorry, uh, 32 on the year. And then you look at like Jordan with 51 and then, you know, Abreu with 53 leading the team. So th- th- that's not what's getting Tucker. And then I look back to last year, I, I don't feel like he didn't perform as well because maybe Yuli was protecting or-, or somebody else in the lineup. But I just think he had a bad week, you know, and I, I think he'll get things going here. Uh, you know, Tucker should have been one of the prime beneficiaries in the Astros lineup of no more shifts, but we really haven't seen that stack. Uh, Tucker's merely been a pretty good player. Jordan's great. Jordan's been crappy the last couple of weeks. You know it's just a hiccup in his case, going 6-for-39 over his last 12 games through Sunday. It happens to virtually every hitter over the course of a season, but what portion of your season is consumed with those valleys before you get back to the peaks? There's no concern that Jordan's not going to turn back into a monster at some point, presumably sooner than later. In Tucker's case, when is that extended stretch of excellence to come? Yeah, and to your point, there are peaks and valleys. We saw Jordan experience both of them in the postseason. Uh, the peaks were the highest of highs, and the valleys were the lowest of lows. Uh, Jordan currently hitting 160 over uh, that same seven-game uh, period that we talked about with Tucker and slugging just 280. So that's not very Jordan-esque. But how big is it? Like when you have guys like Tucker and Jordan, who are your horses in that lineup, uh, to be able to have guys like McCormick, Myers, and Jolks coming through for you, this is you couldn't have expected at the beginning of the season that, uh, especially in the case of Myers and Jolks, Myers who scuffled all last season, and Jolks, we had never seen him before, uh, and really didn't have the greatest 
preseason. But man, you've gotten major contributions out of all three of those guys. It always just seems like, and you know, knock on the faux wood in front of me, but it just seems like the Astros get those kind of big contributions from those guys in which you least expect it. Pleasant surprises, Dubon certainly. Jolks not thought of as a major leaguer before coming out of spring training. But on the scale of World Series champions Astros and the lineups and overall offensive productivity they've been cranking out over the last few years, look, this is a mediocre offense, actually on the uh, lower side of mediocre because for what Dubon did, we're close to Jose Altuve. Uh, The little bit that Jolks has done. I mean, his OPS is 671 starting the week. That's poor. So for what you might have thought you could get out of a Corey Jolks, wow, and he plays with energy and and plays well in the outfield and can run. But overall, offensively, he's been a bad player. Uh, Myers and McCormick have been all right, but neither guy as good as what Michael Brantley gave them in those at-bats. And the overall depth of the Astros lineup and, of course, Abreu is a disaster in the middle middle of it. Uh, The continued predominance of playing time for Maldonado where your margin of error in your your overall lineup is is not as good. The Astros had three, four spots in the lineup where, generally speaking, the overall productivity of the season season has been poor. And you're not going to have a top-tier offense when four or five spots in your lineup are not cutting it at what you presume to be an Astros elite offensive level. Yeah, I mean, they're climbing up. That, that's the good news. They're up to 21st in OPS. I mean, there were, you know, we, we kind of update this every week on the podcast. They've been down in the mid to lower 20s for a good portion of the season. So it looks like Altuve coming back. We're starting to see some returns from that. Uh, I know he missed a couple games, but just in general, it seems like the offense has kind of taken off in the, in the last week or so. But th- that's the issue, right? Is they, they still have the best pitching, but the offense down at 21. That's where the Rangers teams like that are are beating you, having better years because you know they're top five in both categories. And hold your breath on an Altuve in this oblique as we you start the week. Right? The Astros, for whatever reason, just fudge around in terms of honesty or transparency in discussing whose injury might to be to what extent. Uh, but you don't want to rush Altuve back. You know, if it's to justify the Astros saying, "Ha, what me worry? No problem here. It's just a day or two. No MRI." You know, you mess with an oblique and aggravate that, it can turn into a four- to six-week injury uh, very easily. And Altuve takes those big swings with, with a lot of torque uh, because if they were to lose him again for an extended stretch, it pretty much kills off the chance of the Astros having a really good offense unless there's some thunderbolt of a, a trade to fortify. Yeah, you don't want some kind of hernia surgery popping up w- with Altuve and then, and then he's out. That, that's sometimes where these obliques can lead to or, or hernia surgery, so be careful. Well, so let's talk about that. Uh, you know, the power notwithstanding, it's still a big plus to have 2023 Mauricio Dubon to plug back into the lineup, you know, when Altuve does go down and as he's gone down here. Also, Greg Kissinger, come on down. You're the next Space Cowboy to fill a spot on the defending World Series champs roster. Um, the fact that this is uh, a 60-man roster move, does this – worry you guys what's your concern level now that they're going to make a roster move we're not saying it's necessarily to fill in we don't know yet but they're making a roster move they're saying it's you know for depth because obviously you know they they need infield help but do do they make this move if they don't think there's something more serious going on or could be something more serious going on with Altuve 
Yeah, they have to be mindful of that. Uh, maybe the plan needs to be Altuve went back in and healthy. You know what? He's going to DH a couple of days per week. So if Dubon is starting at second and you want to pinch hit for him or just something else changes to have another infielder available, you know, Altuve, once he's in as the DH, you can't put him in at second base without losing the, the designated hitter. Uh, the roster spot's easy. Garcia's done, so they just move him to the 60-day, and he comes off the 40-man. The uh, Kessinger's an interesting story. Number one, hey, great for him. Any guy who gets to debut in the major leagues is a second-round pick a few years ago. They didn't do much in the minor leagues, uh, like his grandfather, a glove guy, very little bat. Last year at AA, he was poor. So far this year at AAA, very good. So at 25 years old to get to crack the, the major leagues. One day on a major league roster, you qualify for the health plan for life. Very powerful players union, Major League Baseball. Uh, but, you know, while he can hardly play any less than Cesar Salazar was playing, uh, I wouldn't expect Kessinger to get anything remotely resembling regular playing time because I don't think Dubon is destined to get meaning full playing time at first base as opposed to dusty perhaps yiner diaz earning some <laughs> yeah i just, i think they're just covering their bases here i'm not worried too much so we'll see it's the astros so we're, we're all just speculating here <laughs> they're very good at keeping this stuff quiet yeah and, and speaking of that uh the latest update injury update we get uh from michael brantley is he's hitting off a tv or a t excuse me not a TV. Uh, he's not hitting on my TV. He hasn't hit on my TV for a very long time. The question with Brantley is uh, whether he graduates from T-ball before my little cousin, who is only eligible for another year. Give me your best odds on Michael Brantley returning. And maybe just as important, where does he fit on this team now? Because, you know, you've, you've got some other pieces to consider now. Where, where does Michael Brantley fit? And does it even matter? If he's Michael Brantley, he fits. To me, he's their left-handed DH. Uh, Chaz McCormick, who overall has been all right. Well, it's the same Chaz McCormick. Against right-handed pitching, he's not good. He's basically Mauricio Dubon. Against left-handed pitching, he's better than Jordan Alvarez. As in OPS over 1,000 versus lefties. And last season, the gap was more than 300 points, righties versus lefties. I mean, McCormick is essentially the embodiment of a guy who should be a platoon player. So against left-handed pitching, he should start. And Myers can uh, be in the lineup as well. Myers, the better evaluated center fielder. Chaz should be DHing against lefties unless you're giving a Jordan, Jordan a day in the DH role. But against right-handed pitching, McCormick should not be in the lineup. So unless Brantley's total 98-pound weakling in which case he could still slap some singles and draw some walks. Uh, but I'm acting as though Brantley's done uh, until I see him back in a major league lineup and able to hold up for more than a few days at a time. Um, found money, uh, $12 million worth, I guess, uh, if Michael Brantley's to be able to make it back as a contributor, 36 years old, as we're, what, creeping up toward the one-year anniversary of him going down. Yeah, once we get to the all-star break here, if he's not back or soon to be coming back, uh, and we'll see if the Astros end up making some moves, that might let us know how they're feeling about Brantley's return. And I mean, it's it's just been a while since we've seen him do much. And I, I'm with Charlie. You know, McCormick has been fantastic, you know, just against left-handed pitching. And Brantley, surprisingly, he's not that bad, at least in his last year. In 2022, he hit 295 off lefties. The year before that, he was really bad. But he doesn't have that pop like Chaz has, that big OPS number like Chaz. So I think they're just going to be kind of 
fit in where you can get in. Dusty's going to shake this thing up kind of every day. Let's move on to topic two, starting rotation. Fromber wins the Battle of the Aces again versus uh, Otani. Fromber's ERA down to 216. Javier down to 284. Are these guys the best one-two punch in the, uh, in the AL as far as rotation goes? Well, as the best healthy start to this point in the season, one-two punch, I'd be curious to hear who the, the counter-argument would be. Um, you know, Toronto has Gossman, and, well, Alec Manoa has been terrible. Jose Brios is coming on like gangbusters, but his season ERA is still in the upper fours. Garrett Cole and eh, Yankees out. Tristan McKenzie, who the Astros will see this coming weekend in Cleveland. He's a stud, but just made his first start of the season coming back from injury. Shane Bieber's been okay. Uh, Nathan Ivaldi and John Gray with the Rangers. Uh, maybe the, the top competition. But Fromber, who had lousy run support and couldn't buy wins early in the season. I mean, last year he set the record of consecutive quality starts. And not that there's anything wrong with a 284 ERA, but he's better than that guy. Right, he's gotten touched up a time or two, so he's not going to have 26 consecutive quality starts or whatever the, the final number was. But Fromber's pitching like a, a heart attack serious Cy Young candidate. Javier a cut below, but absolutely pitching like a quality number two. Yeah, I mean, these guys have been fantastic. And, and it's not just them. I mean, we, we got to get into what these other guys on the staff are doing too. J.P. France has been terrific. Belak has been way better than I anticipated. I mean, this it's pretty impressive what the Astros are able to accomplish. You know, and even Blanco comes up here. And, and Dana Brown, really smart of him. You know, what, a couple months ago we talked about stretching out Blanco and saw some stuff in spring training like, hey, maybe this guy can do some starting pitching. You know, he goes five innings, five and a third innings in his two previous Sugarland starts and then goes to the bigs and comes through for you. So uh, really, really fantastic job, Astros. They're keeping you in ball games. You know, even the, the France game where he wasn't good and he gave up six runs, we didn't lose that game. They kept it close enough. So if they can continue to do that, if the bats start to slowly improve, I like where this is headed. Uh, credit to all, but of course about staying power body of work you know for years the astros when they had good teams when they'd see a pitcher for the first time for whatever reason they'd struggle to uh put up runs uh you know first time around the pitcher is generally considered to have the advantage versus the hitter when they haven't seen each other before um you know a big part of racking up 95 wins 100 wins is taking out the trash right? the astros have pummeled the american league west through the years so after being 17 and 18 they start this week on an 18-6 and six run. But we need to be mindful they've been taking out a lot of trash. They face nothing but below-average offenses over these 24 games with the exception of the Angels. Right, they got six games in against the A's, which are great stat patterns, and they ran a table in those six. Um, you know, the only two good teams, using it loosely, the Brewers are in first place, the Twins are in first place, neither has a good offense. So, you know, when you face teams like the Blue Jays and the Rangers and the Orioles and the Yankees, then we'll learn a lot more about the, the Astros' second-tier starting pitching. Yeah, and it's, it's one thing to have good regular season stats, but Fromber and Javier are both postseason proven, which I think is really important because especially when you're talking about, uh, you know, a guy like Fromber you where you talk about a, a just a hammer, especially in the postseason where just – as an example, we've told this story, and if you watch any of these podcasts, you'll know this, but when we were looking at 
last season we were in the world series and we were doing these podcasts live, Josh and I, we were looking at, you know, kind of the schedule after game three, we looked at it. It was like, well, you know, it doesn't matter how many scores you run in any, any individual game, because this isn't soccer. It's not aggregated points. You know, you just have to win game by game. And you looked at how the game slated up and you saw Fromber was sitting there in game six at home and you just had to feel good about it. And you knew all you got to do is win one of these two, one of the win, uh, the two remaining games in Philly and you could come back and you had Fromber at home and that would be big for you. And it turned out to be the game clinching uh, uh, or the, the clinching game for you. And that's that's a guy you can really count on is just a guy on Fromber where he's not just a guy who's regular season proven. He is postseason proven. And both he and Javier, that's we're not even talking about the guy who, uh, you know, in Javier, who had a, uh, uh, you know, a no hitter in the World Series. So those two guys and even a guy like Jose Arquiti, who's on the shelf right now, also a guy with playoff experience. So I think it's when you're looking at who the best one, two starters are, it's one thing to uh, you know put these regular season stats and ERA uh, and kind of compare compare them, but the real postseason production is where uh, the rubber hits the road for these guys. And when we talk about uh, the offense and the unexpected sources where you're getting offense, Charlie, you, you know you made a good point in saying that it's it's relative. But Josh, to your point, the the contributions you're getting from France and BLAC. I mean, if you would have said, you know, you're going to not get McCullers back and then you're also going to lose Garcia for the season and lose Arquiti for at least a month, you, you, there's no way that you're going to say, well, at least they'll still have the best ERA in majors. And yet here they are, Charlie, how long can they tread water? How long can they continue to perform at this level? Having lost so many of their starters. France's stuff is legit to me. It's all about command. And as we've discussed here in the past, right through his minor league career, he walked more than four guys per nine innings. He's pretty much walking one guy per start uh, as an Astro. I mean, he'll get cuffed around some because who doesn't at some point? I'm not a Bielak believer. I'm a little curious with the increased usage of the changeup. Is he onto something there? But I doubt it's going to revolutionize his career. Uh, still a lot of traffic on the bases. Uh, again, he has not faced a, a murderer's row of lineups to this point as a fill-in. Uh, I think you need to be looking to upgrade over Bielak. Well, maybe that's Arkady at the All-Star break, or maybe Dana Brown starts making his bones by coming up with a, an innings-eating uh, starting pitcher for the, the back end of their rotation. Uh, <laughs> maybe Lance McCullers gets healthy. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> but they're dealing from overall strength. Right. They have the number one earned run average in Major League Baseball. And as, as you uh, enumerated, the losses and the fill-ins, that's just damn impressive. Uh, the bullpen, not as airtight as last year, but still top three in the Major Leagues in earned run average. It's just hold your breath, cross your fingers, that they don't lose uh, either Fromber or Javier, because that I do not think that they could, uh, they could overcome. Yeah, it's I'm with Charlie there on the walks being a big deal. Even with Javier, he didn't walk anybody in this past game. He's gotten that under control a little bit. That used to be kind of a bugaboo for Christian Javier. He'd walk a few guys, shoulder would fly open, and then you give up a couple hits and it's a big inning. He's been able to reel that in and, and JP France not walking guys. That's big too, especially when you're a rookie, you're coming up. 
just don't let the little things, the easy things beat you. You know, if you can impress your teammates, like, Hey, I'm not going to walk a bunch of people. I'm going to make them earn it. I'm going to work quick here. And you know, you're going to locate and those changeups have been great. You know, as much as we make fun of Maldi for, you know, calling games and how much does that matter? It seems to be working with the young guys. And, you know, and you can, you can give up a solo homer here and there, but you walk a couple guy, a couple guys and then hang a pitch you can be wild in the strike zone as well as outside the strike zone. So along with just the overall effectiveness of not giving up big innings, keeping your team in the game, uh, keeping your team in the game while lasting a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, it's been an issue th- for Lance McCullers when healthy through his career that, hey, you know, he threw five pretty good innings, but it took him 103 pitches and you're already into your bullpen. Uh, and to dovetail this with the, the prior topic, I mean, Fromber gets you to the seventh inning, virtually every start guaranteed. Uh, Javier is at least a, a solid six. And so, you know, your bullpen is good, right? Last year, the Astros led the world in innings thrown by their starting pitchers. They rank right near the top of the class again in that category. Um, So it's a really good pitching staff. You can't do it by smoke and mirrors and have the best team ERA in baseball. And, and Josh, to your point about Javier's efficiency, his whip is under one. So (laughs) you you, you can't ask anything more of of Christian Javier at this point. Charlie, you mentioned Dana Brown. He was speaking with MLB Network, I believe, over the weekend, and they were talking about possible moves. He spoke about how they had been examining moves for pitchers because of all the things that's happened. But the call, the performance by the call-ups, uh, he, they're now considering maybe maybe they should get a bat. Uh, I mean, you need both. Honestly, if, if we're looking at, at what needs are, but are you ready looking at what you have and looking at who you're going to get back and possibly get back? Are you, are you ready to say they don't need some pitching depth because you, you kind of, you kind of mentioned it. You can't afford to lose any one of your two top line starters. It would seem like pitching may still be the greater priority or, or is it not? What do you think? Well, it, it's, it is, a conundrum in that the pitching's obviously been the strength of this team. And while it's not house of cardsy, you're an injury away from it being house of cardsy. And can you count on Urquidy getting back and pitching? Well, who knows with McCullers, but we know the lineup's not that good. Uh, I'll throw one. Oh my God. They made that, you know, that uh, Jeff Luno pulled it off and you'd go, well, yeah, you knew he was going to do something. Uh, the Cardinals stink. A lot of the National League stinks, but the Cardinals so far, they really stink. If they stink for another month, Paul Goldschmidt would be the perfect Astros addition. If he was put on the market, the Astros, the state of their farm system, I don't think they could make the best bid, but grew up in the Woodlands, went and played at then Southwest Texas State. Hell of a player, borderline Hall of Famer, last season's MVP, but 35 years old, having another good year, free agent after next season. The Astros at first base right now. Uh, you need to frame Jose Abreu for a white collar crime that wouldn't, you know, put him in jail, but would enable the Astros to void the contract. Uh, but you drop Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of the lineup, the Cardinals decide to pull the plug and see what they can get in return for a 36 year old player. Uh, that's borderline fantasy Island stuff. But you said the name game, if you're, if you're looking for a bat, you want to play go big or go home. You can't get any bigger than getting a current MVP. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about if they do go pitching, one of the White Sox guys, maybe Cease or Giolito, you know, that's out there. That's reasonable. I love Charlie's idea. I'd love to see Goldschmidt come here. Um, please make that happen if you have any connections there, Charlie. See, see what you can do. <laughs> well, as we mentioned uh, 
at the beginning at the top, the Astros uh, win 18 of their last 24, but only to lose ground to the Rangers in the AL West. Are the Rangers legit? Wholly legit. Offensively. Uh, there are a couple of caveats to that. Um, maybe I'll expound more on it in the column, not, not to numb people with numbers here. And we're just past the one-third mark of the season, right? The dog days of summer are to come, though typically offense picks up over the, the warmer weather months. But the Rangers are historically great to this point of the season. Post-1950, one team has scored 1,000 runs in a season. The 1999 Cleveland Indians, who are loaded, and half the lineup was loaded. You know, you had Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell. Um, what a lineup. Scored over 1,000 runs. The Rangers, starting this week, you know, 58, 59 games in, they're on pace to score 1,050 runs. The 2017 Astros, the best start-to-finish offense that the Astros have had in this era. Some people point to the 2019 team, and once Jordan got there, you could argue for it. But the 2017 offense was way better than everyone else in the league. Those Astros scored 877 runs, 877. These Rangers are on pace for 1,050. And you look up and down that lineup, there really aren't guys having come on. They've sold their soul to the devil seasons. A couple of guys are up and up significantly, but no one's batting 390. No one's on pace to hit 60 home runs. Uh, Marcus Semien is a top three MVP guy so far in the league, along with Otani and Aaron Judge. Corey Seager missed a month. He is slaughtering it since his return, as he was before he went down. Last year, it was easy to laugh at him. Ten years, $325 million. Well played, Rangers. Well, right now, it's looking very well played. That's the best middle infield combo in the game. I want to still see how their pitching holds up over the summer. But alluded to Evaldi and Gray earlier. Martin Perez, after a slow start, is pitching better. What if DeGrom gives him a dozen more starts? He's only made six so far this season. I mean, the Rangers are 38 and 20. They've already had series with the Yankees and the Orioles. Um, the weak area of that ball club is the bullpen. I'll be stunned if they don't go add a couple of arms at some point between now and the deadline. Uh, any Astros fan not taking the Rangers seriously is foolhardy. Hey, you have the resume and two World Series to none, but there's a life cycle on things. And the Rangers have the vastly better farm system right now than the Astros. They're better equipped to go out and add in the bullpen or if they have one other bat they, they covet. Um, so, you know, right now, handicapping the race starting the week, the Rangers three and a half games up. Uh, I'd call it about a coin flip. Yeah, I mean, it's we're too far into the season to say it's just a complete fluke and they're not a good team, but it, it might just be kind of the magical regular season for them. You know, the Rays have got us to a tremendous start as well. And remember around this time last year, we were talking about the Yankees maybe having a historic, you know, most wins ever type deal. And then they kind of fell off. They didn't even get to 100 wins. So baseball streaky, but definitely be concerned and we're not used to being this late in the season and kind of looking at the wild card and, you know, looking at Baltimore and the Yankees and in Toronto, who you're about to go play. So this is going to be an important stretch for the Astros starting here in Toronto. And, and let me throw this in, right? The Astros were one win away over the weekend from wiping out the angels four straight as the Rangers were wiping out the Mariners three straight, still a lot of season left. And we can just look to last year, the Phillies fired their manager. They're under 500 the year before that. The Braves are under 500 in August. They win the world series 2019. The nationals are 19 and 31. They go on and win the world series, right? Baseball's the quintessential marathon, not a sprint sport. 
but we're deeply enough into this now that doesn't the American League West look like a match race? A two-horse race, Astros, Rangers. And the Rangers own the division for a while. Obviously, it's been the Astros for the better part of the last decade now. But never since they've both in the American, both been in the American League West have the Astros and Rangers simultaneously been really good. So I just think it would be tremendous for baseball in this state and just for Astros fans specifically, you know, that we have a meaningful September and it's the Astros and Rangers going hammer and tong down the wire. Uh, one downside to the new schedule this year, the modified schedule this year, is you only have two series up there, two series down here, as opposed to three. So, you know, there won't be multiple Astros Rangers series in September. Brandon, what I think there's one in, in mid September and maybe one in August. But I think in Astros Rangers head to head all the way to the finish, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be something we haven't seen. Uh, and to your point, it is a, a marathon, not a sprint. The Mariners could turn it around. Uh, they were not projected to be this bad uh, over the offseason. But as it stands right now, there are only two teams uh, that have a 100-plus run differential, and that is the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Texas with plus 152, Tampa Bay plus 122, what are those two? Which of those two teams do you see as the bigger threat to dethrone the Ashers out of the AL? Is it wussing out to say, uh, can we defer till the trade deadline? Um, if the Rangers go add another starting pitcher and add to that bullpen, boy, that raise offense in a pitcher's park. Again, the top to bottom. Wander Franco, who's really wiped out by injury last year, He's looking like the, the uber-young, burgeoning superstar, Yandy Diaz. Whew, top 10 MVP guy atop that Rays lineup. Why Diaz tearing it up? Take no, Dusty. Um, you know, the Rays, can see, they conjure pitchers out of nowhere. Right? Three of their starters are out. Um, well, Shane McClanahan might win 22, 23 games this season, and they always come up with relief pitchers. Um, that American League East, though, a smaller percentage of your schedule is within the division, but they do have a gauntlet of games with the Yankees, the Orioles, the Blue Jays. I mean, it's not like the last place Red Sox stink. Uh, so for best record in the league, if the Rangers are to win the division, I'll take the Rangers to reel in the race. Mm, wow. Uh, just based off of playoff experience in the last few years, I'll, I'll lean towards the Rays, but but only purely because of that. They've been there before and. Astros are fully aware of that. So uh, I'll give a little lean to Tampa, but uh, I don't have a problem with the Rangers. They look, they look legit. Well, I think that's going to be our, uh, our bottom line. Uh, another episode of stone cold shows in the books. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating whenever you get your, wherever you get your podcast, Charlie, Josh, and I will uh, catch you next week, but uh, you don't have to wait uh, a week to get your Houston sports fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston on YouTube. John Granato, Lance Zerline, Josh Jordan will all have you covered there. And remember, ESPN 97.5, 92.5 FM has you covered uh, on radio in Houston. So thanks to producer Jack Brain for pushing the buttons, and thanks to everyone listening. Until next time, go Strohs. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so what he said.